The word recession is a word that's heard often today. It is given as a warning or a sharp, a sharp downturn in the economy. We're told of the threat of job layoffs and interest, high interest rates and slowdown of business and lack of confidence in the market and spiraling effects that have implications in the lives of all of us. You can hear these economists talking together on business, business meetings and talk shows, engaging in a dis condition, discussion of the condition of the economy, forecasting a crippling recession. They talk about bear markets and economic slowdowns. It's a kind of economic malaise over which we have no control. It just happens, they say. I'm going to talk about this a little bit, not to get too involved in the business aspects of it. Using the word recession more as a metaphor for any kind of financial difficulties that you may experience. Right now, the code word is metaphor, is recession. Other times, it may be a depression, it may be an economic slowdown, and just be certain financial problems you're having yourself. The thing that we try to center our attention on, and we do this in many areas of our study, you don't have to permit people and conditions out there to decide for you how you're going to think and feel and act. You can say no to the forecast of a bear market. You don't have to follow the experts. To the degree that you let yourself be moved by the influence of the negative tones of the marketplace, it will have a definite effect on your life. But it's possible to become impervious to these things. No matter what happens in the market outside, it's possible to sustain yourself in perfect prosperity. You think for yourself. The source of your prosperity is in you. You may have to take a while to recondition yourself to this thought because for so long we've thought of our prosperity, our material well-being. It's really dependent on what happens out there, upon the salaries we get in our jobs, the returns we get on our investments, and how much money we're paying in the cost of living, how much the price of oil, and all these things that's going on in the world out there. It's so important that we turn ourselves into a new perception. We see that our prosperity is in us, within us, and no one can impede its affirmation in our life but you. You can make yourself recession-proof, impervious to changing conditions in the economic world. These things may happen around you, but you need to let them happen in your mind. And if it has no mental base within you, it need not exist for you at all. Last week, we discussed the dilemma of substance and lack, the paradox of omnipresent substance on the one hand and the widespread experience of lack on the other. We concluded that substance is the spiritual essence, the living energy out of which everything is made. What we call lack is a limiting attitude, causing a frustration of the inner flow. You need to change the negative state of mind. The truth is you can never be less than a rich expression of the universe. You may be broke. You need never be poor. Important thing to call to mind if you're being harassed by infusion of recession thoughts. Today we're going to consider ways to achieve security in the changing world. In the past six months, We've seen changes that few of us would have believed we would see in our lifetime. Many of these remarkable changes are the course of the evolution of mankind on this planet. 
I include the crisis in the Middle East. For foreboding as the implications of this seem right now, the time will come when I believe we will look back upon this situation in the Middle East as a turning point in the development of the United Nations that is suitable to act in concert to solve the problems that crop up here and there around the globe. I think we will learn this great lesson from this experience now, however it comes out. The philosopher Heraclitus based his entire system on the idea that all is flux. Nothing endures but change, as it has always been. In the Garden of Eden, Adam probably turned to Eve and said, my dear, you know we're living in a period of rapid and accelerating change. Yet there's that of us that becomes panic-stricken at the very thought of change in certain aspects of life, almost as if the world were coming to an end. As in the effort to build a life that is change impervious, we tend to lock ourselves into ruts, routines, and rituals. I think it would be highly revealing to know how many decisions, perhaps the inability to make decisions, are influenced by a deep inner feeling of insecurity. We give our attention to such things as insurance of various kinds, investing in stocks and bonds, contributing to the nest egg savings programs, retirement annuities. Thus do we attempt in material ways to create a life that is impervious to economic changes. Is it possible to achieve a completely secure life? Most folks try for a while to do this. It's impossible to become insurance poor, for instance, because a person is trying to cover all the possibilities of difficulty in his life. So you never have a problem. Is it possible to have a life that is completely free from insecurity? It depends on what we think security is. If we think of security in terms of protective barriers and continuous provision for food, clothing, shelter, heat, light, medical care, then it may be that there's only one person who can be said to have complete security, a lifetime convict in the penitentiary. He's completely cared for. He's little to worry about. He has real security. His, his life is completely recession-free. Look at the price he had to pay for it. So there's a great deal to be said. If you look into security, it's important that we are secure, not so much with things, without our conditions, but secure in our awareness of who we are as channels of the divine flow. The two basic drives within every person, human and divine. Humanly, we seek to settle down, to be safe, to build fences, to be financially and physically secure. It can be said that if we've not risen above the, the human inclination to be safe at all costs, we'd still be living in caves, if indeed the human race would be living at all. In the early days of life on Earth, Homo sapiens were surrounded by great beasts with superb built-in defenses, tusks, hides, claws, wings, shells, tremendous brute strength. The human creature, seemingly so inadequate, so helpless, survived because his defenses were in his creative ability, in the intuitive flow within, within him, in his spiritual dimension. If the human species had, had always tried to simply be safe at all costs, there would have been no Moses leaving the comfort of Egypt to lead his people through a vast wilderness into their promised land. There would have been no Columbus, 
braving uncharted seas to discover a new world. When you think only of being safe, you stifle the urges of personal growth and achievement. Today in our study of truth, we work with the idea that we're spiritual beings, having residence in a spiritual world, governed and sustained by spiritual law. And basic to this universe is an omnipresent prosperity-producing substance and the creative intention to flow forth into our lives with abundance. It could be said, and should be, that God loves a prosperous person. Jesus said, it's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So when you work for a security through prosperity, it may surprise you when we say you may be giving pleasure to God. Unfortunately, this beautiful teaching is often grossly materialized. In courses and lectures on such subjects as how to become a millionaire, the appeal is geared to the acquisitive instinct. What the writers and teachers who talk glibly of the millionaire conscious tend to completely overlook is that the millionaire models they use to a person achieve their great influence not because of a desire to find security and make money, but because they were entrepreneurs, risk-takers, adventurers, all, launched out beyond the barriers of, of accepted limitations. Someone has said, and it could be one of these models, that the best way to be safe is never to be secure. I love the thoughts of Ralph Edwards, who did some pioneering work up in the Yukon to provide the survival ability of a person in extreme conditions. Someone was talking to him about this. He was telling how he, he went up there with, with nothing to prove that man could survive. He said, all I had was a lot of sheer necessity. It's an indication that security comes sometimes from having nothing, having the drive to achieve. Far better it is for a person who rises out of a very difficult experience to achieve security than a person who is put in a comfortable position who doesn't have to strive at all. There's no security unless one knows that he has the ability to rise above whatever happens around him. One of the places in life where li there's likely to be a, a, at least a subconscious sense of insecurity in your job. You say, well, I'm not insecure in my job. I feel very happy about it. There's this unconscious, subtle sense. If you've taken a job, it's possible to lose a job. Because jobs are a part of the changing world around us. We may feel we've been in a job all our lives and it's perfectly secure. But the world we live in is a world where change is transcendental. In human experience, change is constant. So if you find your mind experiencing anxiety and stress, when you hear of such things as the possibility of mass layoffs, you need to reconsider recession-proofing your life. It's important to affirm for yourself I look to God as the source of my supply, and I bless my job as a channel through which it flows. One place where there's an evidence of rapid and accelerating change is in the workplaces of America. Whole industries are disappearing. New industries are developing. Such changes present challenges for the worker, and you may note that your work is a job that did not exist possibly in the present form of a decade ago, because there's a constant change in the marketplace. 
Few persons can any longer learn a set of skills and expect to stick with them all their life. Even trades like printing and electronics have shifted so drastically that a skilled craftsman must continually learn new ways. Job loss in the smokestack industries is unfortunate as a classic example of the challenge of change in our times. Thousands of people, men and women, have worked all their employment lives in one job, developing and perfecting a single skill, are suddenly laid off, facing the prospect that the job will never return. They may be too young and financially insecure to retire, and facing a societal attitude that they're too old to get another job. Unless they're fortunate enough to have other skills, which they rarely have, they're faced with a Hobson's choice, going back to school to learn new skills, going on welfare. How can you plan for, for this kind of a future? The important thing, make yourself recession-proof. You can't always control what happens to you, but you can control what happens in you, your reactions, your moods, your expectations. And because life is consciousness, you can alter your work without changing your job. You can alter your work without changing your job. Or you can maintain a calm assurance of security even in the face of a job layoff. When you make a commitment to take charge of your life, you may see two courses of action available to you. To achieve security against adversity, taking personal charge of your career, launching out perhaps in business for yourself, investing your time, talents, and money in the great adventure of faith, to become an entrepreneur, in other words. But of course, few persons have the confidence and courage to take this course. For many, it may be unwise to do so. But the other alternative, one that should be the obvious course of action for the student of truth, become what I call an entrepreneur. Entrepreneur is the I-N, entrepreneur. And remaining with your present employer. You don't have to go out to some other job, change your environment, change your thoughts about it, change your goals, your values, your priorities. Achieving a new kind of independence, a vital form of fulfillment in your pursuit of your life of excellence. Entrepreneurship calls, first of all, for a change of outer-directed to inner-directed values in innovative and enterprising ways. You can discover new ways to make your job offer, offer more creative challenges. You develop a new sense of worship and apply a new vital worth ethic. Your security is less entangled with the whim of your employer. Your success and your prosperity are firmly tied to the creative flow within. And by the principle, seek first the kingdom and all these things shall be added, you'll probably become a more vital and valued asset to your employer, too. The entrepreneur is sensitive to changing times and responsive to obvious needs to make corresponding interchanges. For the work of the future is likely to require a great deal of flexibility, not just one set of skills acquired early and essentially good for life, Rather, an evolving body of knowledge, new opportunities calling for greatly modified skills. Lifelong learning is no longer a desirable luxury. It's a vital necessity. Achieving security in a changing world would seem to suggest the need for insurance. This is sometimes perplexing to the student of truth. We place the emphasis on divine protection, stepping out on the promises. It would seem to be a kind of backsliding to take our policies for life and life insurance, fire insurance, economic assistance. The salesman will outline all the cataclysmic things that could happen to you, of course, for which he'd like to insure you. you. may be confused between the very practical matter of financial protection 
the idea of trusting in the divine process. The answer to this dilemma is to found only in your own mind, your consciousness in the ever-presence of the divine flow. Living in an insurance-conscious culture, it may be wise to have at least minimal coverage of the major areas of life. It's because we tend to absorb from the race consciousness as by osmosis, the kind of thought patterns posed by insurance people. It's the better part of wisdom to start out on an automobile trip with four good tires and a spare tire, so you can relax and enjoy the journey. But the spare tire is not a symbol of fear, rather an evidence of wisdom and good planning. Someone occasionally confronts me with a seeming inconsistency of talking about divine protection and seeming to suggest that some person may need insurance. Here is a great difference between wanting to believe and really believing. How often we say, I believe. I have faith that things will work out for me. I have faith that God will take care of me no matter what happens. You see, there's a great difference between wanting to believe and really believing. We'll talk about this a little bit more next Sunday. You may recall the honesty of the man who asked Jesus for help. He said, I believe. Help that I'm in unbelief. All too often a person refuses to face up to his hidden unbelief. And willfully follows a self-delusive course of independence. Accepting responsibility for his affairs, never accepting the full responsibility for his affairs, and without a real consciousness of divine protection, he leaves his health care and his support to others than to society. It's a kind of irresponsible behavior. In practical matters, it is wise to listen to your consciousness, not just to your ideals. How many a person may ask, should I have the operation prescribed by my doctor, or should I trust in God to heal me? It's a puzzling question, to which I offer a startling answer. God doesn't heal. God is life. Consciousness heals as it accepts the flow of life. If you have a deep-seated fear about your condition, it's not likely that you'll be able to accept spiritually healing and the flow of life in you. Lacking in the consciousness of oneness with the ever-present activity of God, you might be well advised to follow your doctor's guidance. Again, listen to your consciousness. Let no one decide for you whether or not to have an operation. It's your life, everybody your state of mind, not someone else's. And the same holds true in the matter of insurance. Certainly God will protect. Actually, God is a protecting force which is ever-present. You live and move and have your being under the shadow of the Almighty. You can never be outside of the presence of God. You literally take on a protective mantle. No untoward circumstance can occur around you or to you. However, if you're not centered in this consciousness, or at least unable to long sustain it, maybe you'd better take along a spare tire. That's to employ some minimal kind of insurance. Again, let no one decide for you. Listen to your consciousness. Follow its leading courageously. Recession proofing your life might suggest some form of discipline saving. Saving up the nest egg for difficult circumstances that may occur. Some may ask, isn't the practice of saving negative? Why should I save if I'm a child of God, supported by the universe, like the lily of the field? Once again, the motivation is the key. If you save for a rainy day, it will undoubtedly rain buckets and often. Why do you feel you want to save? All nature saves. Saving is a mature practice. The physical body is a self-conserving process. 
Don't have the Great Lakes of the world to conserve water to sustain the Earth's flora all year round. Saving is natural and orderly. However, it is important to get a higher consciousness, a higher vision. Save for opportunities, not for emergencies. You may continue to do what you've been doing, but a new attitude was necessary. You may save you with the thought of providing a nest egg that will tide you over to something, if something should happen. You're engaging in emergency conscious. You may actually be creating an environment in which such things can happen. To save by all means. It may enable you to avail yourself of positive opportunities. It may from time to time unfold. But save for opportunities, not for emergencies. It's important to understand this. You can't get a prosperity consciousness on the stock market. You can't achieve true security through insurance. You only get rich by just by saving your money. But if you work diligently to establish yourself in the consciousness of the divine flow of substance, and actually get the feeling that you live in a boundless sea of affluence, and by staying in support and influence of this consciousness, your assets may surely grow through investment, your affairs may be cared for through insurance, and your savings may create a vehicle for prosperity. But seek first the kingdom. Seek first to get the awareness of the allness of substance. Out of that awareness, you'll feel secure. This feeling may give rise to ideas and the guidance by which you invest your money, sudden insurance, savings, all these things. You'll be guided from within. In my book, Unity of All Life, I tell the story of a man who was cleaning up his work at his desk on a Friday evening. He noticed an envelope that had not been opened. It had been left there by someone during the day, and he hadn't seen it. So he opened the letter, and it read to his shock and dismay, a notice of termination of his job. His entire department was being eliminated, his position along with it. He found himself thinking, after all the years I've given to this company, to have this kind of treatment, he was filled with resentment, a sense of injustice, fear, anxiety. Where was he going? What was he going to do? His life was over. His whole life was in this job. He had nothing else, no other opportunities for work. He sat at his desk long past the planned departure time, slumped in his chair in utter despair and despair and defeat. Someone said that the greatest shock the system can sustain is the enforced retirement. So he thought through all the terrible things that had happened to him. Surely he would have to sell his house. He would have to change his whole lifestyle. He was not prepared financially for retirement, and yet he was at an age normally considered too old to get another job. The specter of destitution and lack hovered over his horizon. Even more secure was the shock of feeling that he was no longer needed, useless, through, washed up. He noticed a spider on the desk. Unthinkingly, he brushed it off. Suddenly he sat watching in amazement. This tiny creature automatically spun a strand to bear its weight and swing gracefully to the floor. We began to wonder, why if this tiny creature could draw forth from within itself a reserve of substance to meet his emergency, why could I not do as much? For many hours he sat deep in troubled thoughts that turned gradually to creative meditation. Finally the conviction came that the source of his supply, his security, was not in his job, not in the money he'd saved, in his possessions, his investments. His security was in his oneness with the allness of infinite mind. He might well be taken from the payroll. But no one could cut him off from the creative flow of the infinite universe. The man had been artistic by nature. Being forced to do office work had always irked him. Figuratively, he'd been earning his living by the sweat of his brow. 
In his spare time, he'd done a little writing, which occasionally found publication. He eagerly longed for the opportunity to write for a living. Now he realizes that opportunity. A whole new frame of mind took possession of him. He blessed his retirement. Thank God for the new door that was open for him. He left the office of the buoyancy and confidence that even surprised himself. It was really reported that this man went on to great success as a writer. The real life is made up of great success and great failure. An infinite number of levels in between. True greatness depends more on inner overcomings than on outer achievements. I can report that our man did accomplished some great things with himself. He gained a new sense of self-mastery, a deep feeling of security, and he did enough good writing to earn a few checks each month, enough to more than double his half-pay retirement income. His security was in himself. The word secure comes from two Latin words, sur meaning without, cure meaning care, without care, freedom from anxiety. Victor Hugo articulates this very special sense in this lovely couplet. He says, be like the bird, and pausing in her flight, while on boughs too slight, feels them give way, and beneath her, and yet sings, knowing that she has wings. You may be surrounded by grim forebodings of job layoffs and of inflation and of recession. It's very good to remind yourself that your security is not in the boughs too slight, but in your wings of faith. Your intuitive relationship with the divine process that flows from within. In a changing world, you may not be able to keep difficulties from happening around you. You can't control the stock market or what happens to the dollar. Occasionally, figuratively speaking, you might be in water over your head. But if you can swim, deep water is all not that bad. And what is swimming but fun if you're not afraid of the water? There's an old hymn that many of us know well. It says, Everywhere change and decay I see, O thou who changest not, abide with me. But a very important realization in getting this recession-proofing consciousness is know that there's always that within us it's changeless. Changing changes is the divine law. No matter how things change, no matter how the world alters, no matter what people say or do, what we read in the papers, what happens in our job, in the marketplace, what happens around the world. We can see change and decay everywhere. Because that's the human aspect of life. And the divine level of life is the changelessness within us, the spirit within. And you're Christ self, you're God self, you're changeless. Because of this changelessness of the Christ self of you, that you're able to rise above all the limitations of human life. This is what Jesus was trying to prove in his life. Follow me, he said. Follow me and follow the changelessness of the, of the eternal, eternal awareness of divine law. You can never be defeated. You can never be discouraged. You can never be overcome. As long as you know that within you is the, uh, the changelessness of the spirit. Security is not found in things. You're secure because, not because of your investments, your security can be in, in your jobs and your possessions. Security can be experienced in only one way, by identifying yourself as a channel for the flow of infinite mind. Ideas are the gold coin of the kingdom. Literally little chunks of divine substance out of which we mold and fashion our good. Money may be depleted. Jobs can be lost. Things may wear out, be lost or stolen. But ideas endure and recreate. When you have the great idea in mind that you're an individualized expression of the universal flow, there's the Christ self of you, a God self of you that is complete and perfect. And as Thoreau says, you may live with the license of a higher order of beings. I can invite you to join me for a moment now in quiet.
I want you to use your imaging faculty. I want you to see yourself living and alive in a dynamic universe, surrounded by beauty, creativity, and all good. This is the life that is yours in potential. See yourself sitting before a mountain lake, surrounded by an atmosphere of beauty, high peaks, tall trees, grasses in the field around you. There's cool, sparkling water in the lake before you. As you look down into the lake, first of all, you see the reflections of the mountains and the trees in the distance. Beautiful sight. You look further over into the, lean over further into the water, you see the image of yourself. In this image, you see yourself as one of the universe of stability and order. Let's just say that this image you see in the water is that which reflects the God process within you. You see this person as being prospered, successful, harmonious and orderly in all human ways. You see, beyond this self and the reflection of the water, imagine all your life around you, your work, your relationships, the world in which you live. See it not as it may now be, but as you believe it can be. See peace among people and among nations. See prosperity and security in the lives of all persons, including yourself. See love and fellowship. See the constant flow of good. This is the world of transcendence, which the cosmic vision reveals to you. And believe that this image that you see in the water of yourself and the world around you is the reality. It's the real world. It's the real relationships. It's the real situation. It's the real self of you. You look long at this vision and impress upon your consciousness the great things of life that can manifest for you. This is what Jesus said when he said, the kingdom of God comes not with observation. The kingdom of God is within you. This vision that you see in the water now is a reality within you. It will be a vision, a pattern, a plan, specifications for the future, always within you. Give thanks that you can sustain this image over the days and weeks to come. Make a special effort to do this. This will keep you in a constant feeling of Freedom from all the outward conditions of change in the world. Keep you aware of your insecurity within God. We give thanks that you have the ability, expanding and developing within you, 
to be completely recession-free. Totally uninfluenced by the world of change. In all the world, change and decay I see, but thou who changes not, abide with me. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So be it. <laughs>